Welcome to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One, where I explore the world of geocaching. If you like the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcast or the Geocache Adventures Facebook page, or share it with somebody that you think would enjoy it. Word of mouth is a great way to spread the podcast. You can also join Geocache Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee. Just follow Geo Adventures. That's one word: G E O Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee and get behind the scenes on every episode or become a member to unlock other exclusive content. Hi everybody, Amy Shadow Dragon One here and with me today is Ryan Simo, fellow geocacher and leading authority on Mingo. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good and yourself? I'm doing good, thanks. So Ryan, I always like to start off talking to people, learning about how they got started geocaching. So what's your story? Uh, mine is actually a pretty interesting story. Mine went uh, pre-geocaching back in 2007 uh, when Dr. Pepper was doing a treasure hunt because I'm a big Dr. Pepper drinker. Uh, they were doing a treasure hunt and I was stationed at Fort Leavenworth at the time and took one of my soldiers down to Kansas City searching for a Dr. Pepper uh, hidden treasure. Um, which fast forward to 2009, I went to Fort Leonard, Missouri, and that individual and his wife were stationed there at the time, and they gave me a little pamphlet about a fancy little game called geocaching. So I went and bought okay. my uh, first Etrex Garmin Etrex uh, GPS and found a couple caches in St. Roberts, Missouri, and a lot of the rest is history. <laughs> And here we are today. Yes. I think I'm about 8,500 uh, geocache finds since. Um, I geocached in Europe when I was stationed over there. So I did a lot of uh, Germany and other countries in the area and moved back to Kansas. And that's where I kind of bring you up to where I'm at now. So <laughs> Very cool. So today we're going to talk about Mingo, and you somehow have become like the person to go to to talk about the Mingo geocache, but you're not the hider. So tell me how you got to be like the authority on Mingo. Um, ultimately, it comes down to Mingo Madness, which was a mega event held there in 2020. Um and that's kind of how I became, I guess, a microphone for it. Um, <laughs> but we can go back to the history of the geocache. Um, I can tell you a little bit about that, uh, GC30. Absolutely. So, um, so for those who don't know what Mingo is, can you just lay it out for us? What? Yes. What is Mingo? So Mingo... Um, is a very small town in Kansas, uh, but the historical reason for us it is the oldest active geocache in the world. Uh, as of this date, and um, from all my research, it actually became the oldest active in about 2003. Okay. Um, it was actually the seventh uh, stash ever placed. And I did say that correct. It was placed as a stash, not as a geocache. 
um, that was placed prior to the term geocache actually started on uh, all the channels. So it was placed, um, and this is the other fun thing. Uh, it was actually placed on May 10th of 2000. Uh, really? The website says the 11th. So like, How did that? <laughs> uh, like I was saying, it was placed before geocaching.com. Um, so as right. the game started uh, back in May of 2000, when Dave Ulmer hid the first stash up in Oregon, uh, everything went out pretty much by um, boards. It was, They didn't have actual cash pages like they do now. And when uh, Kansas Stasher, who was the actual cash hider, uh, placed his first geo, or placed his first stash in Mingo, Kansas, he actually placed it on May 10th. But between that and when it was published on geocaching.com as GC30, the date got changed to May 11th. Oh. So that's one of the oh. things I've uh, actually spoken with Kansas Stasher on messages and stuff like that. And I've asked him if he, if we wanted to fight to get it changed, but he says he doesn't really care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> May 11th is uh, only one day difference and he's still happy with that date. It's, it's still the old of active either way. Exactly. So. So May 10th, that, that is really early, really early on. Yes. So the current container from pictures I've seen is like the PVC pipe with the end caps. Yes. Is that reminiscent of that very first container or was it different back then? So the very first container um, was actually a metal container hidden underground. Uh, it oh. is in a hole, but remember back in 2000, there weren't rules and guidelines yet. Right, right. So it is grandfathered into the rule of not being quote unquote buried. Um, so I'm going to give all the spoilers out in the beginning of this. Uh, <laughs> so for those who have not been there, it is buried in the ground at the fence post. Um the original container at Kansas Stasher put out there was a metal container that can't be found anymore. Uh, okay. It was actually a canister that the military used to hold parachutes. Really? And after replacing it a few times by different people, uh, many people have helped Kansas Stasher keep this cash alive. Um, but after looking and looking, um, we couldn't find that container anymore. So right before Geo Woodstock that was in Denver, uh, 14er, which was in, I think, 2016. Okay. Uh, we placed the current container. It's out there, uh, which is the PVC. It's a four-inch PVC with a cap on both sides. So it's been around... For quite a while, so we're getting ready to have, I don't even know what number, Geo Woodstock now, but when it was out in Denver, um, it was replaced Memorial Day weekend of that year, and we've been keeping it that style container as much as we can uh, throughout. So being around for almost 23 years, this container's gone missing a couple of times. <laughs> um, 
as we, uh, was stated on the plaque, uh, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit, um, like anything has been around for a while, there's a lot of stories. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Mingo <laughs> does have quite a few stories uh, that we can go into here. Um, it has been through many trials and tribulations. Uh, anywhere <laughs> I can from imagine. The hole that the cache was in was filled with foam. Foam? Like that spray the foam spray insulation foam that you stuff? see all the time. Oh, no. Uh, it was filled with that one time. Um, and it was cleaned out. And then if you have found the geocache since 2013, you'll notice that the cache container is inside a nice concrete hole. That concrete hole yes. was not there because at one time the cache container was taken and the hole was filled in with concrete. Oh. Um, and then once wow. that happened, um, there was a group of people who went up and rented a drill and assisted Kansas Sasher in making a nice hole for the container to fit in. So, so they just drilled into the concrete that yep. got poured in the hole. Yes. So wow. and, uh, they made a six inch uh, hole all the way down through the concrete. And it worked out better than just a dirt hole around the container. So they left the concrete. Yeah, I, I would actually think that'd be a little better protection it definitely for it is. getting washed out and stuff with the rain. So it definitely is. Is there like a lid on the hole or something um, or so like a rock over it or is it rock, just there? Uh, there's a rock that when the group that went up there drilled the hole, they brought the rock from their home. <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, so that rock has actually <laughs> been brought in um, to be placed over top of the container. <laughs> That's interesting. So it is protected by that. And over time, different people, um, one of the strange pieces, I guess you can call it, of swag that has made its home at Ground Zero is a yellow brick. With Mingo. A yellow brick? Yep. Somebody painted a brick uh, and in black sharpie rope mingo um and it's been there it's actually been there through quite a few containers really yes. so it's just sitting there hanging out by by the rock yep uh sitting right there at the bottom of the fence most usually when i go out there so i've been going out there probably about i would say anywhere from three to six times a year uh just to go out and do a little bit of maintenance for uh, Kansas Stasher and sometimes replace the container or talk to some of the locals. Because uh, after hosting a mega event in the area, I have become friends with quite a few people in the area. So we'll I go can out. Imagine and, it's a small town. Yes. It's uh, the whole county has about 2,500 people in it. So, um, and when we went in, well, ended up being 2021 for Mingo Madness. Uh, we had a lot of people uh, assist us in making it the event that it was. How did the small town of Mingo handle being flooded with all these geocachers for that? So, uh, in I'm actually going to go back to 2015. Um, okay. So, Mingo Madness was done out at Mingo in 2015. Um, okay. And it was placed, or it was... 
a tent was put up, a small tent was put up right there in the parking lot area of, around the cache. And we had probably about 200 people come out just from being a regular published event. Um, uh, Cantu Land, uh, Day of the Dead, and a couple others did the event. Um, I know when Mingo Madness 2020 first got published, um, we had pictures from that one. Uh, they had a balloon launch, uh, which we did get quite a few people complain to us when we were doing a 2020 <laughs> event, uh, saying, why are you launching balloons? Um, but uh, so we did not do that again in 2020. Uh, but the town of Mingo, which if you've been there and you've driven into the town, you'll notice it has a grain silo, about 10 houses, and a church. Uh, but the church, I still love them all my heart because in 2015, they came out and brought us all cookies and drinks and, and welcomed oh, cool. us in. Um, and we did find out from talking to the pastor at the church that some of the issues we had had been with, by some of the youth in the area finding this container with goodies in it. Um, so some of the trackables that have gone missing were uh, taken by youth. Uh, most of them, I think, were uh, retrieved and handed back out to people. Um, and that's one of the other big issues we have with um, the geocache. If you go on there and you'll see that there's, I think last I looked, there was like 75 trackables listed as in the container. But if you've seen the container, it couldn't hold 75 trackables. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of people will place their trackable in that cache or somebody else trackable in that cache. And either it's was never placed there that has happened or people who retrieve it never retrieve it. So it just stays in that cache. So I do know about 25 to 30 of them that were listed in there at one time had been stolen in the past uh, mm. because it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah. That's one of the problems with the cache is not many people see the area or not many eyes are on that area at all times. So there are an honest people in the world um, don't understand the little game that we play <laughs> and they just see something and take it, not realizing that somebody else's property that is set to travel. Uh, yeah. Um, classic story of the missing trackable. Oh, and I'm very big in trackables and ge uh, geocoins. And it breaks my heart to say that it is a very common story with trackables. Unfortunately, yeah. I've had several of mine. I think I've had three different ones in the past week. I got a log on it saying not in the cache. Oh, yes, it happens. Like, uh... Unfortunately, it happens. it happens more often than not. Uh, that's why I do make a lot of, uh, I, as you can tell in the room I'm in, I have a lot of toys that I can make proxies to send out. So I send out I've, a lot of I've proxies. I've done that, yeah. Um, and some of the coins are just really nice, and I want to keep it in my collection to show off and send out the proxy. And there for a while, HQ was sending a proxy with the geocoins, which I have one right here. Uh the coin was really nice and they sent a proxy that was with it. So, ah. but they've changed from that style and actually send out a different trackable with it now. Yeah. 
I I have several. I've I've just gotten to where even the little keychain ones I just make a proxy for so I can restart them. Yep. But I've I've got several sitting on a shelf that <laughs> I still need to make a proxy for and get sent out. So. If you could see what I'm looking at, <laughs> uh, I probably I personally probably own over I would say three thousand trackables. Most of them are not. Oh activated, wow! So wow <laughs> so yes i that's one of my other loves <laughs> let's go back to that yellow brick for a minute because i keep thinking how has that yellow brick not been stolen when the geocache keeps getting taken well and that's again it's a mystery um <laughs> so there's a lot of theories that we've discussed over time and at one time uh, we know for a fact the local farmer that's in the area was not happy with geocachers uh, because as a geocacher, you have to remember your actions um, resemble over 2 million people around the world. So yeah. if you go and you want to get close to a geocache or you want to save the extra two minutes and drive to somebody's field, uh, it will make somebody upset. Yeah. Um, so, and that's actually what happened at one time. Uh, we don't know for a fact if any of those things were done by anybody in particular. Uh, we do know like when the concrete happened, there was construction going on in the area. So it could have been just some contractor saying, oh, well, there's a hole here. Let's fill it in with concrete. Um, you know, sometimes you have to give that <laughs> to somebody that they didn't maliciously go over, take the cash and fill the hole in. Um, yeah, you know, we sometimes had to look at rainbows and unicorns, but <laughs> in the real world, somebody took the container out and filled it in with concrete. Um, very often, uh, the containers have disappeared. Um, up until even last year, one has disappeared uh, when the plaque was stolen, and there has been one disappeared since then. Uh, oh wow! We have been doing some research and over time there will be trackables uh actual tracking devices in some of the containers because there is a compartment where we can store a tracking device but it comes oh. down to even if we find out that is it in somebody's on their mantle for some crazy reason what are we gonna really do with it um yeah because we don't know if it's a local. We don't know if it's another geocacher. Uh, I remember at one time when the cache went missing. Um, if you ever look at the geocaching forums, uh, the only good thing comes out of that, uh, I think, is the trackable race or trackable exchanges they do in the holidays. But uh, the forums, as soon as it went missing, there were a lot of people saying, "Hey, well, if that that needs to be archived and." move the oldest one to this cache or move the oldest one to that cache. Um, well, as you know, just as well as I do, it's a preset cache. It's, you can't choose which one's going to be the next oldest. Um, yeah. Because a lot of people thought Beverly was going to be the next oldest, but there's actually one before that. So. Yeah. It's just actually whatever's yep. out there and happens to be the next one. And if you believe in, so all the things you read, there's cash. There's people who say they placed the cash when it wasn't. Uh, HQ in recent years has done a great job of not allowing you to put 
a date that weird on a cache. <laughs> but there have been caches in the past that say that they were placed in 1999. Oh, yeah, that's we all know uh, is not, not possible. possible. <laughs> so, but yeah, interesting. Mingo definitely has been a featured thing. Uh, I know, like in the notes you had, um, it had been featured as a geocache of the week. Yeah. Um, and actually, you had it as March 17th. It's actually been listed three times as geocache of the week. Uh, the first time was actually July 4th in 2010. So. <laughs> That's funny. It's funny how when researching, some things come up and some don't. Like, it, I've done a lot of research. <laughs> I think we're going <laughs> to discuss it later. Um, yeah, I think you've spent a little bit more time <laughs> researching than I did um, the, <laughs> and, <laughs> over the yeah, years. I, I have an addictive personality, and when I get stuck on something, uh, it seems like <laughs> I go all in at times. Okay, so let's go to the tribute plaque now. Okay. What's what's this for people who don't know? All right, so the tribute plaque um, is placed uh, near the geocache. Um, so when we were starting to talk about having a mega event, uh, we went mega stat. So we published the event. And we went mega status in less than five days. Um, wow. So we helped. Was this other... at the, for the 2021? Yes, for 2020 Mingo Madness. Um, so I've had a thought about it because I'm a very, I like history. And uh, I like driving by all the historical markers there everywhere. Um, I'm probably one of the few people that will pull over and read <laughs> historical markers that are all over the country. Uh, I just came back from Texas. And I think Texas has probably more <laughs> historical marker plaques than people sometimes. Um, so thinking about it, we were talking with the committee about let's make this spot actually known. Because if you didn't know, even before then, if you go to Google Maps and go out by Exit 62 and on I-70 in Western Kansas. There's a note on the map. It says the oldest active geocache in the world. Yeah, that's really cool. It shows up on Google Maps like that. <laughs> so, so we wanted to make that known and also to help let people know what it is there. Because again, I think sometimes curiosity, I've talked to many geo or many muggles that don't know what geocaching is, says, oh, well, I found a geocache at one time. It was in this area. So maybe thinking that Mingo could be one of those caches people don't know that's there. Yeah. So we wanted to make a plaque and um, we had it scheduled for the very first event for the mega event in 2020 was going to be an unveiling of the flak. Well, as you and I and probably everyone else listening remembers, mm -hmm. <laughs> May of 2020 was a very interesting time. Yes. Um, but we already had the plaque made. So there was six of us, most of us members of the committee for Mingo Madness, we drove out to Western Kansas and stayed in a hotel and ate to-go food from everywhere because no ho restaurants were open. 
working with Kansas Department of Transportation, we uh, put a plaque in the ground, uh, concrete with poles are about seven foot tall and hung the, hung the plaque from that. So, and it stated more or less the significance of what the cache was. And that's actually a virtual geocache as well. Yes. Um, so one of the members that was on the committee for the 2020 Mingo Manus uh, had a virtual reward 2.0. Okay. So knowing that we were putting a plaque there, um, we worked it into the design of the monument, something that you have to answer to uh, get a virtual reward or to get an actual, the virtual cash. So you had to answer some questions and once you figure out what it is then you can get that virtual. So when they, so as most people know the cash or the cash and plaque were stolen last year yes. by somebody. Um, but when they stole the plaque, the information you're looking for for the virtual is still there. So the virtual is still active, even though the plaque has not yet been recovered. Uh, yes, it has not been uh, recovered or replaced. Right. So I think it's really more. interesting that it's actually, it's in the historical markers database. Yes. Um, and we've actually discussed it with um, people at the state of Kansas because hosting mega events, bringing a lot of people to a state, you get to talk to people in higher places than you would think um, to actually make it a historical location. But it does not meet all the qualifications for that yet. Okay. So, but we did place the, the marker there and word got to a historical marker database and we were able to get it on, on their website. And if you go to it now, it does still say missing. Yes. Um, but there are plans in the works. And by the time this one is, uh, this episode is airing, uh, very shortly, we should have the plaque uh, reestablished. That'll be great. I know that uh, caused quite the uproar in the community when not only the container, but the actual plaque went missing. And knowing about the container, um, containers cost me $12 to replace. Yeah. And I would rather replace a $12 container than somebody completely vandalize and tear down a monument. Yeah. As you uh, mentioned before we started recording, those plaques are not cheap. <laughs> um, well, and... The original one was a little bit cheaper than the one we're putting up. Um, so the original one, because it was uh, placed by members of the committee and uh, a shout out to Geocache Talk, uh, two, of, two of their members were actually on our committee during that event. Um, but Geocache Talk actually put quite a bit of money into help uh, have that plaque placed. Okay. So... That helped out significantly. It was actually made then. out of plaster and not uh, solid metal. Really? So, yes. A lot of people think that it was stolen possibly for um, 
the copper prices because uh, a lot of those plaques and it did look like it was made out of copper yeah but <laughs> the joke was on them because it was made out of plaster that's interesting because i've seen pictures of the plaque and it does look like it's an actual metal plaque so that's yes um but that's one thing we're looking at doing because uh, uh, we're actually getting ready to launch a funding campaign to help pay for it because the replacement is going to be a metal plaque it won't be copper because uh, we're not spending that much uh, but it's going to still be a metal plaque to be able to withstand somebody just pulling it off of uh, the poles so like a aluminum or steel alloy um, yes there's an alloy out there that uh, will help it withstand people being people <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. I, I know you are. It's just, <laughs> I know you are. And I appreciate that. But at the same time, I laugh because I know I got an idea. I may not know the exact words of what you want to say, but I got an inkling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, there's been many, 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 many days and nights that Mingo has been on my heart and mind. Mm. And for, because I don't know how much you paid attention to the whole uh, timing of the plaque being stolen but it is down within a 15 minute time frame of being stolen. Wow. And there, we did have the local law enforcement did assist us because there is a webcam within, within about 250 yards of that cache. Oh, really? But it doesn't face the cache or the flak. Mm. Uh, it's one of the I-70 uh, weather cameras. Okay. Right there. So there were a couple suspicious vehicles getting off the ramp or getting on I-70 that they were wondering if had some connection to, but they have not been able to get any additional information from the vehicles. Wow. That's wild. So it is definitely a well-known location. Um, the local law enforcement know about it. Um, like I said, the church right there up the road definitely knows about it. And many uh, organizations notice there, know of its uh, significance and support us as any way they can. Yeah, I can't think of a more well-known middle of nowhere location like that. That's not like a national park or something. That's just tiny little map dot. That yes. if you ask a geocacher, most of them know what Mingo is. I joke with, because uh, I live in Kansas, I joke with most Kansans that I can name 10 people that know where Mingo, Kansas is. Can you? <laughs> most people don't know where Mingo, Kansas is unless they are a geocacher. <laughs> That's funny. Because <laughs> so, it is. It's a very small town. It is small. Um, between two bigger towns, and when I say bigger towns, both of those towns have less than 3,000 people in it. So, and how far are those away from Mingo? Um, both of them are right about seven to eight miles. Okay. So, uh, funny part about I-70, I-70, as I drive right by your town on I-70, <laughs> it goes all the way through Kansas as well. Mm -hmm. um, but that section of I-70 does not go east and west. That uh, section, if you look at the map, actually goes north and south. Yes. Which, 
270 is um, famous for doing that too, Oli. That yep. happens over in my neck of the woods. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's still I-70, but for some reason, just the way that the land land was laid, um, yeah, it goes it between the two towns, north and south. So, which was fun when we were writing up the the wording for the plaque. Because at first we said east, but it was or first we said uh, north, but it should have been west. So, <laughs> so it was just fun, fun doing it. Um, <laughs> which like I said, it will be back soon enough. So why is the plaque um, not at the actual geocache? Um, one of the reasons, um, so like I said, I was kind of a brainchild with it. And the reason we put it there was to try and prevent um, prevent people from being people. <laughs> and we're hoping uh, because where the plaque is has become a parking area. Oh. And we we're hoping that people would actually park, find the find the virtual, and then walk down to the geocache. Okay. Uh, because you would think most geocachers could walk the, I forget the actual number, but it was under 250 feet to the cache. But uh, even after the plaque was there, you still see people drive their car right up to it, <laughs> or right on the road on the corner, and walk down the 10 feet to the cache. So that's why it was placed where it was. Okay. And that's also where the, where the local authorities wanted us to put it. Fair enough. I, yeah, uh, I get, I can see how the local authorities may get to have a bit of say of where you're sticking a plaque at. So, and that's where we ended up putting it. Uh, Cause we did, we did talk about putting it over actual by the cash as well. Um, but it was just easier for them to mow around where it's at mm. and different issues like that. Okay. Things you would never think about. Yeah. So Mingo Madness, we've talked about a bit, and it has turned into a mega event to basically celebrate this geocache. Yes. And it's set to occur every five years, correct? Yes. Uh, so we went off of... Um, the standard that was placed in 2015 mm -hmm. and now we did the event in 20 well 2020 is when we scheduled it um but we actually hosted it in 2021 and the next time is five years later so we're going to do it in 2025 okay so i was wondering about that since it got pushed to 21 if the five years would go from 20 <laughs> or from 21 so nope we're gonna um through discussions, we're going to do it in 2025 um, because the original was 2015 and they wanted to do it every five years. So 2020, even though we did it in 2021, uh, there is actually still some swag that was purchased prior to to still say Mingo 2020. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> so just like GeoCoin Fest that year, I also hosted that one. And there was a uh, swag that was ordered that said 2020 on it. We use the other logo. Hey, that works. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Whatever you got to do. I mean, it's, it's so, kind of an oddity from that, that point in time that we were all dealing with. So, yes. Um, but honestly, and I tell a lot of people um, the way that it turned out, I think had, a great impact on how it's going to move forward 
It was a wonderful event uh, using the fairgrounds. It was not supposed to be originally. Originally, we were supposed to be in a smaller uh, civic center. Uh, they do have a new civic center since 2021. So we may do some events inside uh, just to prevent weather because May in Kansas can be hot. Um, but we're already talking with the city and officials to uh, figure out how we want to do 2025. Uh, we have some goals uh, that we want to do because uh, you always want to make things bigger and better than the last time. Yeah, of course. I know we've talked about geotours and fireworks and all kinds of crazy other things that <laughs> uh, your mind can think of. And if there's something that you want to see, um, you could still go on to uh, the cash page from Mingo or uh, the geo art that's out there. And I still get all those emails. So it's definitely something we're still working on, but is still in a ver very early stage of planning. You got a little bit of time, but it'll creep up on us before you it, know it. It jumps up quick. <laughs> um, I know when we announced it in 2019, we even said the same thing about 2020. Uh, we pushed, so Mingo actually got pushed twice that year. We pushed it from May to September and then September to, back to May. So it definitely was a very interesting time because we actually can't uh, postponed it twice. Yeah. I, I know Mingo Madness 2025 is a bit off, but can you tell us anything about what to maybe expect for it? Um, so again, we're looking at possibly uh redoing the geo art. So if you haven't gotten a palm tree that's out there, there'll probably be a new geo art by then. Uh, we're definitely working with the city to build on the relationships and build on the activities we did in 2021. Um, for those that were there, it is sitting on their county fairgrounds. Uh, there are a couple of things that we weren't happy with um, and a couple of things we loved and adored. Uh, so we, possibly could get more activities going for that weekend um a lot of it's up in the air uh because it always comes down to i'm sorry i'm saying uh, a lot it <laughs> it comes down to uh cost and resources right why every five years though Not just because of the size of the town yeah and mingo madness is one of those events that unlike like a GeoCoin Fest. So I did GeoCoin Fest in Kansas City. Kansas City is a big town. Yes. There's a lot of stuff to do. Um, this year it's going to be in Daytona Beach. A lot of stuff to do. Uh, Woods, Geo Woodstocks. Big towns. A lot of stuff to do. But for anybody who's been out to Mingo, there's not a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> so it's almost we create the event. Uh, most of your activities, we are bringing the activity to you. Uh, in 2021, we actually had the travel bugs come out and sing a concert. So we had to bring out a stage. We had to get porta potties. Who would ever thought you'd have to? <laughs> so things that you don't really need in smaller or in bigger towns, you had to bring in. So the cost, and we brought in. The last I heard from the chamber, they're saying it was 
over 2,200 people came through town that weekend for Geocache. Wow. But if you remember, the county only has 2,500 people live in the county. Yeah, so you, you doubled the county so for a weekend. It's one of those where... <laughs> It's the town is wonderful. Uh, they support us. Ninety-eight percent of people loved that we were there, and we filled up all the hotel rooms. And the counties next to us, we filled up a lot of their hotel rooms. So it was a great tourist thing, but it was. It's also a lot of work on the committee, and also there are a lot of mega events every year. True. So. We're hoping that with one less mega event every year, it will save people a couple pennies and they can come out and visit us in 2025. So, and that's one of the stances we've been taking now is because there's a lot of mega events and most of the mega events think are going longer. I was just down at a mega event that was almost 10 days long. Wow. And when you add in hotel expenses, travel, time off of work, it's a lot of time. So I know with like GeoCoin Fest this year, which I'm one of the co-hosts of that one this year, we are shortening it because we know that next weekend there's another big mega event. So we're trying to do it with a 10-day activity, but you're going to go to two different mega events. Okay. Because so, we're the weekend before going cashing in Georgia. Okay. So come down to Daytona, do our festivities. We'll send you off to go pillage up to uh, <laughs> going cashing because they're the Vikings this year. Oh, uh, okay. Is their theme. So we're working with them as best we can to make it kind of a vacation, a geocaching vacation. And if you have mogul family, you can do that week in between down in Orlando or something like that as a family activity, but still get those two mega events that are very significant in the community. Yeah. One with geocoins and the other one with puzzles. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's a big thing. If you've got muggles in tow for events, like we, we got to meet you in person last year at MOGA (laughs) and I had, my son and my mom but my husband was with us but he's a muggle but he just he comes along and he just follows along but with the adventure labs and everything else going on he gets to enjoy a lot of it too yes and your son uh with path tags yes (laughs) yes you got my son addicted to path tags and then you made him that awesome path tag holder for him and sent to him for his birthday, which is proudly on his wall with a bunch of path tags <laughs> in it. It's, I I counted up the other, it, it's a little over half full. And, and well, we're, we're planning on, as long as life doesn't get in the way, we have plans to be at Geo Woodstock this year. And very good. We, I, uh, and there will be path tags Yes, there. there'll be path tags. So I have my podcast one and I, I just recently ordered a GeoGoat path tag. Ah, Are you uh, bringing the goat? Well, so we did book a hotel that is pet friendly, but I have to call and confirm (laughs) if uh, I kind of don't, I don't want to get there with a goat and then can't stay there with a goat because it's a bit of a drive. 
<laughs> and to have it to is. turn around and uh, not get to stay because uh, we can't find a place with the goat. Yeah, so. <laughs> yes, I understand completely. <laughs> so I I have a feeling she may be staying back with the dogs again, but we'll have have that path tag. And, and this year the plan is to let him trade with that path tag to hand out instead cool. of just taking all of mine <laughs> i'm trying to have a new one uh done up for this year as well so i'm he may have a new one for his collection wrote my name on it uh, he he thinks those are just so awesome and so many people were happy to trade with him even if they had already gotten one from me they would trade with him again to so he could have the path tag and that's awesome it was it was pretty awesome it's such a the whole idea and concept of path tags being a cheaper model of a geocoin is a great idea and it's something that the little ones can get into without oh, yeah. a big expense by the parents because we all know the parents are paying for it. oh yeah <laughs> yeah we, he, he's not paying for it <laughs> exactly. but he does enjoy it and my mom is is into him now too after after all that so we got we got her some we managed to get she got a couple and any doubles or triplets we managed to find we sent to <laughs> you've got back so i'll have to go through and see if i have any more doubles or triples and... that's awesome <laughs> you you sent him some path tags that you had extra with with that side and um lee cats also reached out and said uh I've I've got some extras I'll send to you for him and we, a couple That's people awesome. reached out and said uh we we will be happy to send him some extra path tags if we find some so he that was well and I know his birthday's coming up again <laughs> who knows we may get a path tag uh yeah you know what he <laughs> path tag present for him. he is constantly asking me about his birthday <laughs> once Christmas ends He's no, with, how long to my birthday? Seven months. Oh man, that's when you were born, kiddo. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so about a uh, once a week, he asked me how much longer till his birthday right now. So he's he's geared that's up funny. for it. <laughs> Wants to know why I haven't started buying the party supplies and stuff for his birthday because. Because you might change your mind on the theme in the next four months, you know. Well, <laughs> yes. kids forget how much they change your mind on. They things. do. It's it's amazing how that happens. <laughs> and that's the show sidetrack right there. <laughs> <laughs> I would never sidetrack a show. Uh, you know what? I sidetrack it pretty easily on my own half the time. So. <laughs> But it it makes it realistic because <laughs> yeah. when have you ever gone to a geocaching event and everything was about one topic? Yeah. <laughs> so getting back to bingo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what else do we need to talk about bingo? This research you've gathered, you're doing something with. Yes, I have been in the process of doing it. Um, so I was hoping to have it by 2021 but means life gets annoying mm -hmm. um but i have 
probably four or five different folders on my computers that show about Mingo and the history of it and some of the great stories of it. Uh, I remember reading uh, one of the stories about a gentleman who had a Greyhound bus stop at exit 62 so he could find a geocache. <laughs> really? Because I believe, I, I don't remember it completely. I have it written down. I've met the gentleman since. Uh, he lives up in the Pacific Northwest. But he was traveling on the Grey, uh, Greyhound bus from Kansas City out to Colorado. And the whole trip, he was talking about this geocache. This amazing thing that's been around for years and years and years. Um, so finally, they get. he was looking out the window, getting ready to wave by because if you haven't been out there, it's right off the interstate. Get right away by it, but the bus takes a detour to the right and gets off on the exit. And they pull into the gas station across the street, and a couple other people walk out to the geocache with them. And they look at him and go, that's it? <laughs> <laughs> and nobody talked to him for the rest of the trip. But, wow. uh, but it's stories like that and um, just the history of the geocache. Uh, some of the stuff we talked about, uh, some of the stuff I didn't go as in detail with, um, some of the things I've learned from Kansas Sasher, the original cash owner, or the, the cash owner, and just, I love history, so I want to get the history out for everyone else. So I am actually working on a book um, that will tell you all the cash uh the close nearby finds, actual finds, uh, some of the stories of people wanting to make it a milestone, but finding out it was disabled because somebody filled it in with concrete. Oh. Uh, and what comes after that? Because I actually had a friend who wanted to find it for, I think it was her 200th find. Well, it, we get an email notification saying it is disabled. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. I ended up having to uh, make a, a challenge or a cash for with 200 little boxes and the cash was in one of them. Oh, it's for her 200th fine. So luckily it wasn't like a thousand, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it's little stories, uh, just a part of the geocaching history that we all know and love and to keep it alive, to keep its memory alive because everybody has a Mingo story if they've been out there. I've heard, I've talked to people who've taken an eight-hour detour. I've talked to people who've flown into Denver, Colorado, got a rental car, drove Domingo, and made it just back in time for their conference that they were actually in Denver for. Now, that's, so, that's not a short drive, Denver to Domingo, Kansas. It is not. And what a lot of people forget is there's a, there's a time change. Oh, that's so right. There are three counties. There are three counties in Western Kansas that are actually on mountain time. That's right. And Mingo is not one of them. <laughs> so so, so you, a lot of people will drive over, forget that there's a time change. I've been to an event that the host of the event was late because they forgot there's an hour time difference. Wow. So yeah, that's... there's a lot of stories out there. I just want to put them down on paper and let people see their name in a book yeah that's always fun to see uh your name in history and just be able to share the message that'll be pretty neat and i i know life is always there first getting in the way of 
of projects, but uh, when we we spoke before this, you were saying you're hoping to have it ready for 2025 Mego Madness. That is the plan. Uh, hopefully, uh, probably, who knows, probably by the end of this year, maybe early next year, I'll send you a, a rough draft so you can fix all my uh, misspellings. Oh, if you want and, me uh, to fix spellings, you're sending it to the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, but that's one thing that I do. I don't want to put something out that's not professional. Right. So I and that's one of the things is I know what I want to say is how to say it kind of things. Um, I do have a beautiful bride who will keep me on track on things. So <laughs> I know she's already been voluntold to uh, read it. And I got other friends who are gonna read it for me and try and keep me straight i mean i'd love to read it uh, but i can't promise you i'm going to be able to help you correct anything <laughs> <laughs> so, well hopefully uh between now and me finishing it uh you can pack up the geo goat and the little, <laughs> little guy and the muggle husband and come on out to kansas and i'll meet you out there we'll go find it and we can add that story to the book okay the day the goat found mingo <laughs> there you go that's the there's a lot of fun stories so i don't think i've heard a goat one yet that's the one thing with a goat is it kind of need see we you almost have to have a camper or something to if you want to travel with her because um goats and hotels are oddly enough don't seem to be welcomed <laughs> whoever thought that would be an issue like it's just a dog yeah i i like to color my my mixed breed dog or my exotic dog yes. exotic breed dog That's she's, she's been raised with dogs so she you know kind of thinks she is one other than she headbutts but that's fun though <laughs> keep the dog in order <laughs> Her and my little dog have like this love-hate relationship. They are like the best of friends when they're outside and they don't know we can't, they don't know we're watching. Like I can watch them out the window and they are playing and they are loving on each other. She'll just go rub on her and they'll just lay next to each other. They come inside and it is the battle of wills for attention. Of course. And it's, it's that sibling <laughs> rivalry. And I, I start petting the dog and the goat comes up and rams the poor dog or I'll be petting the goat and the dog will come over and nip batter and chase her off. And it's like, I have two hands. I can pet both of you until the other <laughs> dog comes up. It's like three animals, two hands. It becomes a challenge. But <laughs> Not now you know what your son can do as a chore to get him more pat tags. <laughs> pet, pet that dog that's out. <laughs> Go pet the other dog. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> there's, there's our off-topic part two. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh. Gosh, I hear myself talk sometimes. I go, oh, well, people actually listen to this. <laughs> well, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and uh, only the true ones listen to the end. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know we've talked about a geocache the entire time, but did you have a cache highlight you wanted to share? Oh, I could probably tell you my first story of uh, Mingo. <laughs> okay, that'd be great. <laughs> so, um, like I said, I... 
when I first geocached, I was in Missouri for about two weeks. And then I spent a little over two years geocaching in Europe. So I was getting ready to hit number 2000. And it's funny how fast a number pops up on you. And looking through the different dates, I'm like, oh, I go out there this weekend. But then I looked at my number and I was within 10 geocaches of finding my 2000 geocache. So I took a round trip uh, tour out to Mingo, Kansas. And I was the same way. I had a friend with me. And so Mingo is exit 62 on I-70. So we find Mingo in the middle, late evening. We're sitting there like, well, Colorado is only 60 miles away. That's one hour. Well, just coming back from Europe, we're getting ready to start driving. I'm like, I can't go to Colorado. I don't have my passport. <laughs> so that was A, how tired I was, and B, uh, living overseas and needing passports to go to different countries yeah. and different borders. So that was my embarrassing story when I found Mingo. <laughs> uh, and realizing that you don't need passports to get a state border. <laughs> Thank goodness you don't need passports to cross state borders. <laughs> I know, because I drive by your your area so much. <laughs> my passport would be full. Yeah. <laughs> I do travel quite often. Uh, this month I've been Alabama, Florida, Texas, and I'll be going to Michigan next month. Wow. <laughs> so They're keeping you busy. I'll be... Uh, I'll be up in Moga uh, helping them up there again this year, and I'll be helping out Woodstock this year also. So I'm going to send a message and try and get you an answer on your goat. <laughs> so I'll just need to find out from you offline what hotel you're staying at. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because it did say pet friendly, but I'm like, mm, it probably meant like cats, maybe dogs. <laughs> Actually, a lot, of, a lot of hotels, I've come to find out, a lot of hotels don't like cats. You know, my mom actually ran into that um, a little over a year ago. She was, uh, she sold her house and was getting ready to move into an apartment, but she had like a week in between and she's got two cats and the first hotel she booked said pet friendly. But then when she called for whatever reason was confirming it, they're like, oh no, we don't take cats, only dogs. And she's like, well, you, it doesn't say that on the booking site. <laughs> so yeah. she had to find a new hotel. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, I've seen that quite a few times. It's dogs only. Yeah. Yeah. If it wasn't for the horns, I could pass her off as a dog. <laughs> you know, when we first got her, when it was just little nubs, I could put a dog hat on her. And I'd always get like this double look, like people weren't quite sure what that was when we'd walk her. <laughs> Now the hat doesn't cover the little horse. They're not yep. nubs anymore. <laughs> Remember, I'm in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, uh, and we have an agricultural college here. Yeah. And um, I've met a few people who have sheep and goats as pets as well. So it's definitely different to see a sheep walking down a trail. Yeah, it, it's very interesting. If, I walk, if we're walking the goat, if we have the goat with us, you just got to plan to take longer for two reasons. One, because you got to stop to let her graze. 
And two, because everybody that sees you is going to go, oh my gosh, is that a goat? Can I pet her? Can I take a picture? You really have a goat? And they're going to want to pet the goat, which is perfectly fine with us. So if you're in a hurry, don't take the goat. (laughs) But I've actually come across somebody that was walking a chicken here in St. Charles. I have seen that. Yep. Here in a park in St. Charles. So. But did you, the chicken you find have the fake arms on it? No, it didn't. It just had a little harness and leash on it. It didn't have the fake arms. We had a, we have a friend who, uh, I know somebody who had a chicken with the arms. I had another friend who wanted to make those arms for her chicken. Those videos are hilarious. They are. I think that's your next episode. uh, Crazy animal uh, geocaching pets. You know, it's interesting because I posted. Oh, probably back in the first season, I think, trying to get, you know, tips for geocaching with pets. And people will post images of, you know, a lot of dogs, but I saw cats. Uh, yep. We have a local cat. A rabbit. Bearded dragon. A, a rat. There are, there are some people that have some interesting I... animals to cache with. Well, it's funny, I was talking to uh, Annie Love, uh, one of the lackeys, and she's like, oh, I remember a GeoCoin Fest in Nebraska. There was a geocaching hedgehog. <laughs> That's awesome. And I had to remind her that that was actually our hedgehog. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we went to Nebraska, and you can't just leave a hedgehog sitting at the house with no, no support, yeah. so we took it with us. <laughs> <laughs> And yet, that's still a pet. You can go find at a pet store, though, where a goat is a little different. True. A little different uh, buy. <laughs> but we have actually yes. taken her to the uh, the Petco up here when Santa has been there for the pet pictures. And she's had her picture with Santa. And it was funny because we walked in with the goat and they said, you just missed the chicken by like an hour things you hear everything. yeah i know right <laughs> <laughs> and on that derailment <laughs> well if you ever need another show derailed just ask me that absolutely <laughs> thank you so much for for getting on here and talking mingo with me today no problem i anytime uh i listen to the show all the time thank so you I'm, for that I'm happy to be happy to chime in anytime you need some help. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> You've been listening to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One. If you'd like to get in touch, you can reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, or go to geocacheadventures.org and you can find the information on the contact page. The music is by The Travel Bugs. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have you heard of FTF Magazine? It's the magazine for geocachers. It is full of articles and pictures all submitted by geocachers just like you. I'm a subscriber myself, and I love it. My favorite part is the little snippets on the edges of the articles on all the different pages. Those are my favorites. Just go to ftfgeo.com to check them out and tell them Shadow Dragon 1 sent you. 